You're listening to Valley Football First and Goal, the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference on the lineupmedia.fm network. Now, your host, Kelly Burke. Welcome into the MBFC First and Gold podcast on this edition. I go behind the mic with the voice of Indiana State, Brian Fritz. Brian, welcome. Hey, Kelly. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Doing just fine. Thank you. Good to hear. Well, you went to Indiana University when you were in college. Uh, You majored in broadcast journalism. And I'm curious, you know, for you to tell me about your journey then from there to Terre Haute and becoming the voice of the Sycamores. Sure. I went to Indiana and, you know, made some connections, obviously, within the department there at IU and had a friend that uh, interned at one of the television stations in Terre Haute, uh, ended up working in Terre Haute at a TV station. And at that time, that TV station uh, purchased the rights for ISU for both the football or for both the radio and the television at that point in time. So, you know, I had a connection there that I knew that at least when they decided that they wanted to have sort of their own voice to put, you know, their own stamp on it, uh, I had somebody that was able to get my tape listened to. And like so many people that do this job, it's as much about what break you get and how mm-hmm. fortunate you are as much as how good you are. I just happen to know the right person at the right time. And from there, you know, fortunately, my tape was probably towards the top of the list of ones that got listened to. And uh, I think they also offered it to somebody who wanted them to fly him in and out for games. And they weren't willing to do that. So since I was willing to move to Terre Haute, that also worked in my advantage. Definitely. Well, you also work, you know, besides being the voice of the Sycamores, you also work as a media sales consultant for the Indiana Statesman, which for people that don't know is is essentially the student newspaper. Um, What do your job duties entail and how do you try and mentor, you know, some of the young student media there? You know, that's a great question. And it's really given me a lot more appreciation for the coaches that I cover. Um, because I'm working with students that are 18 to 21 years old. Um, I'm helping to teach them, you know, how to be responsible and how to act as a representative in the sales process. And it's interesting, you know, you, you, you have to reach them all in different ways, just like coaches do players a lot of times. A lot of them learn in different ways and at different speeds. And it's, it's something that I think has made me a better broadcaster. Uh, because I have more appreciation for guys who, you know, need those college students to be productive for them day in and day out when, you know, in the life of that college student balancing maybe other part-time jobs, classes, social life, lots of different things, you know, you have to have their focus while you've got them, you know, whether it's a practice or that time that I've got them, so that that's something that's challenging and it's something that I've enjoyed doing. And I think it's given me really additional perspective on what coaches go through. Yeah. You know, Brian, this has really been the season of the young quarterback in the Missouri Valley. And of course uh, the Sycamores, Isaac Harker, you know, included in that list. And um, in particular this past weekend, I counted, you know, seven of the 10 Valley schools 
saw uh, an underclassman get the bulk of the snaps. And, you know, with a couple of those schools, it, it's an injury situation where guys are battling injuries. But for the majority of them, that's not the case. What do you make of the trend and the success so many of those young guys are having? Well, I think the success is due to the fact that, you know, there's a lot of good coaching in the league and also the coaches recruit guys that are really talented and, mm-hmm. and able to step in and play. Uh, in our specific situation, Isaac's done a great job. His his uh, leadership in the huddle has been really important. His decision-making ability at the line of scrimmage has been excellent. Um, he's really checked a lot of the boxes that you would want a quarterback to be able to check. And just being a sophomore, hopefully we'll do nothing but get better from here. It also helps having targets like Robert Tanya Jr. And across the league, as I look, Leon you know, Lenore at Western Illinois, the receivers at South Dakota State. There are a lot of great receivers in the league right now, so I think that also might have something to do with some of that success for the young quarterbacks. Yeah, that's a, that's a really great point. You know, your journey, especially calling football, is an interesting one because there's been a lot of there's been some highs, but there's also been a lot of lows at Indiana State. So let's start with the highs. You know, there was. Um, a win over North Dakota State in Fargo when they were ranked number one that comes to mind. Um, a, a homecoming win over Illinois State, um, I believe in 2010 for you guys. And then um, an overtime win over, you know, at Youngstown State. Um, that was kind of the start of getting you guys back in the playoffs. What are some, some games and, and calls that really stand out to you? You know, one of the ones that really stands out to me, Kelly, I'm going to go to a little darker period, was a homecoming win over Western Illinois that snapped at that time a very long losing streak for us. But since uh, Trent Miles started the process of restoring our football program to, you know, the level that it's gotten to today and kind of, you know, bringing it back from, you know, really being on life support there for, you know, some years through some pretty, a pretty lean decade for the Sycamores. Uh, he did a great job, and Mike Sanford has continued that. Uh, the win over Youngstown State you mentioned on the road absolutely stands out. The win at North Dakota State when they were number one, uh, again, which was one you mentioned, definitely stands out. And honestly, this year, I don't know that I've ever had a season where we've had as many close games as we've had this year, and it's been mm-hmm. a fun one to broadcast because so many of our games have been so close throughout the year. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that. Cause I heard uh, Illinois state coach Brock's back say last week, he's never seen so much parity in the league as, as there is this season. Yeah. There's, you know, the league as a whole is just so good. And I mean, the coaches throughout the conference have just done a great job and, you know, the margin for error is so small. You, I almost feel like week to week you can go through, look at who wins the turnover battles, who executes better in the red zone, and that team usually wins. You know, you, you touched on it a little bit with the, that win over Western Illinois. You know, the, the, the dark period, you know, the, there was a stretch, 33 games um, they went without without a win, which, which spanned over three seasons. You know, what was that period like for you? you know, as, as a guy calling their games. And, you know, I would imagine, you know, that Western Illinois game was emotional for you, you know, seeing them win. Yeah. It was. And, you know, that's that's why that was the first one that really popped into my head, even when, 
there were other games that certainly would be maybe more prominent uh, along that road. That was a challenging period to be a broadcaster, to be to be really honest. But one of the things that I took away from that is, uh, you know, I would have parents that would tell me, hey, we really appreciate listening to the broadcast. We know the team's struggling and not doing well, but you try to be as positive as you can about it. And, you know, we really appreciate that. And that was sort of the mindset I always tried to keep is that, you know, the people that are listening to us have a vested interest in Indiana State, whether it's, you know, through a family member, whether it's through, you know, having been at the university, whether it's having been a part of the Terre Haute community, you know, those people that are listening to you are rooting for the team you're broadcasting for. So, you know, while you have to be fair and you have to be honest, you also want to try to be and put as positive a spin on that as you would as if it were your son or daughter that you were talking about. You know, it, it seems like a lot of play-by-play play voices in particular, you know, there's not a lot of movement um, at the college level. You know, especially the Missouri Valley is the perfect example. Um, you know, yourself, and there's there's so many, there's a long list of guys, um, you know, that have been with the league, you know, 30 plus years. Um, as a as a guy that's been with with Indiana State, you know, since 2000, um, why do you think that is? Especially, you know, because in in the other world of sports media landscape, you know, and newspapers and TV, you tend to be moving from market to market, and there's a lot of turnover. I think some of it is that a lot of the markets in the valley maybe aren't what would be considered major markets from a media standpoint. Um, also, I think there is a certain charm to our league in that it's still a level where a lot of players do stay four years. And it's, you know, while certainly everybody is very competitive and you're all trying to win as much as you can, it may not be as much win at all costs as it is a little bit uh, higher up the food chain. I know that's one thing that appeals to me about the Missouri Valley Conference. And I think the people that have gotten into those broadcast positions have gotten really comfortable where they're at and they're good jobs to have and you know it's a great conference to cover i my family is from around the st louis area love going to the conference tournament each year uh st louis is a great destination for that with you know all the schools being you know within a pretty drivable distance of st louis it's it's, you know, a conference that I have really enjoyed and really come to appreciate uh, over my time at Indiana State. You know, speaking of St. Louis, I, I almost feel bad asking about this, but you, you're a diehard St. Louis Cardinals fan. And so how hard has it been, especially this season, watching the Cubs now reach the World Series? And will you be rooting against them now here this week when the World Series starts? Kelly, I'm actually rooting for them, and I'll, oh, I'll tell you why. Um, I've had some great experiences at postseason games in St. Louis, and other than Cardinals fans, I probably have more Cubs fans among my friends than any other team. And for them to have an opportunity to, you know, have some similar experiences to that, uh, I, I really would like to see them win all things being equal. Also, uh, my mom's dad was a diehard Cubs fan and he and I watched a lot of baseball when I was young together so you know there's a part of me I think there are a lot of people that have some kind of connection like that now if the Cardinals were in it you know I wouldn't I wouldn't feel that way but um I wish that the Cardinals would have had a little better season this year but also they've 
been done a great job and been, you know, as Cardinal fans, pretty spoiled at the level of success, really, that, that they've had over the long term. So since St. Louis is out of it and this is the Cubs shot, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, if you talk to Gary Ryman down on the road, he'll be really, really excited if they're able to get it done. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that's interesting you say that. I mean, a lot of Cubs fans would say that the Cards have had, you know, had plenty of time um, and opportunities with enough championships that it's probably their turn to, to have a shot at it. Yeah, and, you know, if it's the Indians, that's a great story, too, because they're kind of in the same boat. Yes, absolutely. My conversation with Brian continues shortly, but if you like what you're hearing so far on the MVFC First and Goal, check out all the lineup media group podcasts, football, baseball, hockey, and plenty of non-sports podcasts, too. Now back to the show. You know, you worked with Royce Waltman in basketball initially, um, and the Sycamores reached the NCAA tournament back to back years. And I, I believe that was your first two years with Indiana State. What was that like? Um, and how has the transition been then to, to Matt Wren, who was a player on one of those teams? Well, Matt's really developed into one of my best friends that I have. And, uh, you know, he's been great to work with and it is just I mean, as high character a person, as good a guy as you could ever hope to spend time around. And that's, you know, over the course of my time here, really the thing that, you know, I've come to enjoy most about this is the people that you meet and the people that you get to know and the time that you're able to spend with those people as a result of having jobs like this. Coach Waltman was a great man. I got along very well with Coach Waltman, but he was demanding. He demanded the best from everybody all the time. It didn't matter if you were the starting point guard or if you were a beat writer or if you were um, a manager for the team. He expected everybody to be at their best at all times. And at times, for a young broadcaster, that could be a little challenging because it forced me to look at some of the things that I was doing and say, boy, you know, he's right. I maybe should have done that a little differently or could have done that a little better. I grew an awful lot as a broadcaster because of Coach Waltman, and I I had tremendous respect for him, and Coach Lansing has really followed in his footsteps really well and, you know, has a lot of the same principles in that. But but Coach Coach Waltman was a special guy. I, I really cherished that time with him. He helped me a lot as a young broadcaster. Uh, and going to those two NCAA tournaments right out of the gate, man, that was fun. I thought, hey, maybe it'll be like this all the time. But even, I, I knew it wouldn't be. I also, you know, recognized at the time, you know, what a special group that, you know, Michael Menz or Matt Wren group was. And, and to have had the opportunity to work with Matt now for oh, almost a decade with him now, too, it has been really special. So with somebody like Matt, you know, where he's coming in to a situation where, where he's the newbie then, how do you go about, you know, developing him and, you know, developing that chemistry between a play-by-play guy and the analyst? That, that's a good question. One of the things, because Matt's so smart and so sharp, I tried to do uh, each year was give him one additional thing to do, whether it was reading some liners, whether it was reading some stats, whether it was doing pregame interviews, postgame interviews, because, you know, a guy that sharp, you want to keep uh, engaged. Also, you know, as I think any good play-by-play person would do, 
he can adjust to his color person. And when Matt Wren talks about Sycamore basketball, people want to hear what he has to say. Mm-hmm. So it's on me to you know, give him those opportunities throughout our broadcast for him to be able to do that and you know, adjust a little bit what I'm doing so that I can work in and, and you know, make the most of his knowledge because he's, he's you know, really, really good at seeing a game and very succinctly breaking down exactly what's going on right while it's happening. And it's a gift that he had as a player and certainly translates uh, as a broadcaster as well. You know, I was shocked to learn um, that you actually gave Camo X broadcaster and MVC TV voice Tom Ackerman his first broadcasting job at IU. You know, could you see how talented he was even as a student? Yeah, definitely I could. You could tell that Tom was somebody that wanted to work hard and wanted to do good. I would maybe take exception with giving he he would have succeeded no matter who was there. I just mm-hmm. happened to be a year or two older than Tom at going to the same college at that point in time. His his talent and his drive and his work ethic was was, you know, very noticeable right away. So I, I don't want to take any credit at all for that, but I'd it's nice that I've been able to maintain a friendship with Tom and see him, you know, periodically once or twice a year, usually at a ball game. And, you know, we always try to talk for, you know, five or 10 minutes or something and kind of catch up where you can. I know he's got a family now. And, uh, you know, as, as you get older in this profession and you develop families and that it gets harder. I know, you know, you've traveled on the weekends with, you know, the, the time on the road. That's one of the challenges of the job. It's, 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 uh, you know, something that's both enjoyable when you get to go a lot of the same places, but also, you know, does take away a little bit uh, from home. Yeah, and, and for you, especially in the past couple of years, that's really come into play because, you know, you got married a, a couple of years ago and, and you gained a, a six-year-old stepdaughter, Hannah. You know, how has that experience changed your life for the better? You know, it's been great to always come home and have somebody that's happy to see you. I think her mom usually is, but, <laughs> but Hannah definitely is all the time. Um, you know, it, it's really a, a part of my life that I've enjoyed very, very much. And she's just a sweet little girl and, uh, you know, have really been blessed to have had the opportunity to, you know, to be in her life. And it's it's something that is really important to me as well because I feel really strongly about what a great job and experience I had as a child because of, you know, how my parents were as parents and raising me. And, you know, to be able to, to do that for somebody else is something that was was really important for me. You know, you started also calling baseball for the Sycamores uh, in 2009 and have been fortunate because you've called games for a first and second round draft pick. You know, how, how would you sum up, you know, th- those years in particular? Well, I remember Sean Manaya and Ty Block in the opening round of the Missouri Valley Conference tournament here not too long ago, and I've been very fortunate. The Sycamore baseball program has been really good. Both Rick Heller and Mitch Hannis are great baseball men. Uh, really enjoy my time uh, with both, especially being around the ballpark with some downtime in baseball, talking before some games, after games, strategy, and as a baseball guy, kind of at heart. Um, I've really enjoyed those relationships and get a chance to, to talk shop with them throughout the years. So, you know, 
a lot of great players have come through the Missouri Valley Conference. It's been a very, very good baseball league, and that's a part of my job that I've, I've really enjoyed. As you mentioned, I started in 2009 with that because it was added to our network. It was something that I'd always wanted to do that, frankly, I didn't know if I'd ever get the chance to. So I'm glad that I did. Yeah. You know, you football-wise, you've seen some of the top football guys come through Indiana State, you know, guys like a, a Mike Parrish, a Shakir Bell. Um, and now in particular, there, there's four assistants that are former players what has that been like, um, you know, because you probably knew a lot of them as, as players and then now seeing them on staff? Yeah, and, you know, another part of that, a, a guy like Jaden Everett, I've watched him start a family, and his wife was Hannah's kindergarten teacher last year. Oh, really? So just well. a lot of, you know, <laughs> neat connections. Yeah, it's a small world. Uh, but it's really been enjoyable to watch those guys grow up and develop and, and become men and good leaders. Uh, Shannon Jackson is another one that, you know, as a student started here and, you know, was kind of a shy, quiet kid. And, and he's really developed into a leader. And, you know, he and his wife have a beautiful family as well, too. So, you know, those, those that's what's meaningful to me is, is seeing guys that, you know, have had success not only here as players, but also then gone on and, and really been successful in life. Yeah. Would you say, I mean, you you develop so many relationships. I mean, it's kind of like, it's almost like being a coach in the sense that because of how much you're around some of the guys, you develop longstanding relationships beyond just their college years. Do you tend to keep in touch with, with a lot of guys? You know, I do the best I can with that. A lot of it has to do with how often the guys are around Terre Haute and their proximity to the city, you know, quite honestly. Um, you know, would love to. Also would say that I do a much better job of that with basketball players than football players just because of the numbers. Mm -hmm. You know, it's 12 or 13 guys versus, you know, 53 to 65 guys. Um, you know, I try to do that as much as I can. It you know, like anything else, everybody gets busy with lives and lots of different things. And there are, I will tell you that there are places that we go to where maybe a former player comes to see us play on the road once a year. Uh, Jordan Prenny, who played for us, who's from uh, Marion, Iowa, usually comes when we play North. I really look forward to that one time a year where you maybe see that former player at a game because it's close to where they've settled down. Yeah. You know, before we finish up, um, I do want to talk about some of the mishaps that have happened along the way. And some of the ones I heard about were um, an instant replay incident um, with as far as like an Ethernet cord um, that was taken away from you guys. Um, and then an uh, airport situation at Wichita where the plane flew into the wrong airport. So can you share a, a, a couple anecdotes or two that uh, are, you know, are funny and, and fun to look back on? Yeah, that happened with Coach Waltman that we went to Wichita and actually flew into the, the wrong airport. And thankfully, uh, the pilot realized it went and, you know, took us to the other, other airport. It, uh, you know, there are all kinds of things that, you know, have happened through the years. I, I probably should have anticipated that question and really had a better <laughs> antidote for you. Um, because over, you know, over time there's, there's so many of them, uh, that you, that you do have, or, you know, you do come across it, uh, uh, 
you know, being on the road with a team is, is a lot of fun and there are a lot of great stories. And that's the thing I think that everybody remembers when you do see people down the road and run into people. You don't so much remember who won or lost or what all the scores of the games have been, but you remember those relationships and those stories. You know, finally, I had heard you're a, a big fan, um, especially well, since you mentioned you have family in St. Louis, you're a big fan of the Hill. Um, and, th- and there's so many great restaurants, um, not only, you know, in the Hill area, but a- across St. Louis. Um, given that we're going into basketball season now and that in the spring we'll obviously have the NBC uh, Arch Madness basketball tournament, what are some restaurant recommendations uh, that you would have for, for some fans out there? Well, you know, it depends a little bit on what you like and where you're going. You certainly touched on it. The Hill is is one of my favorite places in St. Louis, without any doubt. Um, Different places around the league, um, you have different places that you like to go. Ebbets Field is very close to the hotel where we stay at in Springfield. That's the other thing is a lot of it depends on proximity to where the team's staying on the road in terms of, you know, what some of those restaurants are. But uh that's one thing with, with being in the league for a long time. You do get a feel for some spots. And, hey, this is pretty good. I, we, we ought to go back there. And, and uh, Ebbets Field in Springfield is one that pops to mind right away. Uh, Matt and I, there was a place in Omaha that we really liked a lot back when Creighton was in the league. And, uh, you know, so that's, again, part of the, the, the travel. That's the fun stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time. Is there anything else that you would like to share that we haven't chatted about? You know, just that I've really enjoyed uh, seeing these pieces that you've done, because as well as you get to know a lot of the guys across the conference, it's been interesting to hear each of them sort of tell their stories. So, you know, from the perspective of, you know, being friends with a lot of those people, I've really enjoyed getting to know them a little bit better. Well, thank you so much. That means a lot. And, uh, I think you will be able to hear. Uh, I'm I'm due to have Gary Rima on here in the, the next couple of weeks, so you you may get your wish about uh, hearing about his 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 joy or you know the, the opposite with uh, with the Cubs, depending on what happens over the next couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, e- either way, they've had a great year. Yeah, they sure have. Like what you heard from Brian Fritz and our MVFC First in Gold podcast, check out the many other podcast offerings from Lineup Media Group, including Baseball Outside the Box, which this week takes a closer look at the World Series matchup. Head to lineupmedia.fm for more info or to subscribe. Tune in next week for another episode of Valley Football First in Goal with Kelly Burke the official podcast of the Missouri Valley Football Conference, only on the lineupmedia.fm network. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and anywhere you get your podcasts.